0: Welcome to the Lead to Lead podcast. We believe that God is calling you to lead yourself and others with wisdom, intention, and humility. Join us as we chat through quick tips, skills, and ways to help equip you on your journey as a leader of yourself and others. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Lead to Lead podcast. VJ here with you and Doyle by my side. Hey, what's BJ. up? Happy 49ers win day! Yeah, happy, happy 49ers win for sure. <laughs> awesome. So today we're talking about self-control with a question mark at the end. So here's the deal: in this chapter, in chapter seven of Atomic Habits, James James Clear titles it "The Secret to Self-Control," and and he does that on purpose because it's it's kind of a two-sided argument that he's presenting. And uh, I really like the first side. Uh, it's basically that. If you're trying to just have more self-control, and that's the thing that you're relying on to solve your habits, you might be in a sticky situation. So the quote that we're going to start with is, is this. If you're overweight, a smoker, or an addict, you've been told your entire life that it's because you lack self-control. Maybe even that you're a bad person. The idea that a little bit of discipline will solve all your problems is deeply embedded in our culture recent research however shows something different when scientists analyze people who appear to have tremendous self-control, it turns out those individuals aren't at all aren't all that different from those who are struggling. instead disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that doesn't require heroic willpower and self-control. in other words, they spend less time in tempting such situations. What do you think about that Doyle? Well
1: I think what's interesting about that is to me, that says that self-control is the result of something. It's not the cause. It's, it's not the harder I work at something or the more self-control I exercise, uh, the better results I have. It's, yep. it's self-control is the result of something different. For example, you know whether, whether as a listener you ascribe to this or not, and we're not making any assumptions, but the scripture describes self-control as a fruit of being related to God through the Holy Spirit it's a fruit. Like it's, it's, it's a product like joy or peace. Mm -hmm. In fact, gentleness comes right before self-control. So it's not like I show more willpower to be gentle to my kids or gentle to my wife. It's, it's the result of something different. It's a result of contact. It's a result of relationship. It's a result of environment and paying attention to it. I think I think that's what Clear is trying to get after a little Absolutely,
0: bit. Absolutely, yeah, and and we totally agree with that for for Clear's point here. And obviously, Joel come to came to mind as I read his last sentence. In other words, they spend less time in tempting situations. Is is the Bible verse that says, "Flee from temptation," right? Like you don't you don't want to choose to spend time in tempting situations. And James Clear obviously agrees with us, and the research obviously agrees with us.
1: Right. I mean, it's the idea is you don't spend all your time. Putting yourself in tempting situations to see how much self control you have.
0: Yeah. It's it's the old adage like you you don't go to a bar if you're a recovering alcoholic. It's just it's it seems like it should be logic, but because of like this this uh, cultural self control kick, it, it isn't logic anymore. It's not logic to just avoid the situation, it's logic to go in and just be your best self.
1: I think that's interesting, you know, you mentioned the illustration about going to a bar if you're an alcoholic. I I was thinking about that the other day, actually, because if an alcoholic goes to a bar, part of it isn't just because of the fact that there's alcohol there, it's because of the people that they got used to hanging out with, Mm -hmm. it's the friends. So now what changes, which is affecting their ability to have self-control, is if they receive a lot of encouragement from other fellow alcoholics, so to speak, that, hey, it's great to see how you're doing and how everything is, is moving in your life that kind of negates the context because it minimizes the temptations that's there. It's just a kind of a mysterious thing.
0: Uh, yeah, Clear reminds us here, just with a little bit of sentence, just, hey, remember that thing I talked about last chapter or the thing we talked about last episode? That environment plays a huge part in habits. Right. So if you, if you stop going to the same environment where you partake of certain habits then it will be so much easier for you to start new habits or avoid the habits you're trying to avoid because you've changed your environment.
1: Right. So what does it mean then, do you think, to change your environment? I mean, does that mean, for example, again, I don't want to get just hung up on the alcohol issue, but does that mean that the alcoholics should never go to the bar anymore and that they, they need to change their whole environment and now they go to the library or they go to church? or they What, do, what does that mean exactly?
0: That's such a good question. And in fact, uh, James spends a whole chapter, I believe, on it in a few chapters. Right. So let's, we'll, we'll burrow into that a little bit more. But for now, I'll let, we'll let you think about that, listeners. What does that mean for you in your situations to change your environment? Does it mean that you need to give something up completely? Or does it mean that you need to find your identity in something else before returning to that place?
1: So for now, the main emphasis is, that one of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce the exposure because the exposure is a cue that kicks you into that habit.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we really hit this hard last episode. I hope you guys listen to that. That's, I think it's been my favorite episode so far, Doyle.
1: Well, I, I agree. I think that it's so critical, especially because there's so many opportunities for us to exercise good habits. And all it takes is just adjusting or changing the environment that you're in. Uh, I was thinking, I think, of, I was thinking of the scripture that says bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. So if you change the people you hang out with, uh, it, it affects your habits absolutely, in, in a good way.
0: And if you, if you don't, Clear continues by saying this. He says, bad habits are autocatalytic, meaning the process feeds itself. They foster the feelings they try to numb. So you feel bad and you eat junk food, but because you eat junk food, you feel bad. (laughs) And you watch TV to make, uh, makes you feel sluggish. So you want to watch more TV because you don't have the energy to do anything else. Or worrying makes, uh, worrying about your health makes you feel anxious, which causes you to smoke to ease your anxiety, which makes your health even worse. And soon you're feeling more anxious. They're all bad habits or one of the signs of a bad habit is that it's a downward spiral. It continues to feed itself, even though you might be doing it to try to feed something else, right? Your TV for entertainment or food for pleasure or whatever. It, it really feeds itself and it continues down that spiral.
1: It's interesting. I was, I was at somebody's apartment the other night uh, in New York City. And in their apartment, at the end of one part of the room, one wall is covered with two large bookcases from floor to ceiling mm-hmm. filled with books all sorts of different books, history, theology, whatever it might, whatever philosophy, so on. But I was thinking about this the other night when I was sitting in that room with about 25 other people, there's there's no sign that there's a a TV. And I thought, how different the environment feels. Yeah. There wasn't even a TV there to think about. Right. And I thought how different the environment would have felt if somewhere in the room or on one of the walls, there was also a television. A yeah. Flat screen TV. It's not there.
0: It's true. And it's weird it's weird for us to think of that in, in our culture, but the way you design your house or the way you put things up in your house, it tell it talks about your decision making, it talks about your life rhythms, and it talks about in, in some ways your morals. Right. What's important to you. Is right. That's what I mean by that.
1: Right. So anyway, that's what I think that we're drawing from from this chapter or this section of Clear's book that hopefully can be practical.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to add one more thing. So uh just to re- go back to what claire was saying earlier that that oh if you're an addict you should just be making better decisions right and there's there's part of that that's true right cuz at one point the addiction was started by a string of bad decisions right but it's not it's not just making better decisions that's going to help you it's 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 changing your environment like we talked about Um, trying to make the right decision in the same addicting circumstance or context is a recipe for a lot of frustration and really real depression.
1: I agree. And so I think if we could encourage you to do anything, make a list, create a log of of the different environments that you're in. Pay attention to how much time you spend in those various environments and pay attention to what happens to your self-control or to your thinking or how you feel. Like BJ mentioned a quote about feeling sluggish. If you're in a certain environment, and you're feeling sluggish all the while, all the time. Pay attention as to why, and maybe that's a good sign that you should change the environment, which Absolutely. will end up have a positive effect.
0: Absolutely. And so here's my here's my little tag for you know people who are saying, well, this is supposed to be for leaders. What what do we do? Well, <laughs> if you're not doing any of these things, you can't. Tell people them. So if you're too sluggish because you're watching TV, and then you watch more TV because you're too sluggish, how the heck are you going to tell other people that they should stop watching as much TV or eating less food or buying less stuff or all the things that you would like to communicate to the people that you want to encourage or uh, groom as as business employees or groom, or you know in, uh, develop as future leaders? You you can't communicate any of those things effectively without actually putting them into practice. So this is one, uh, one of those frequent episodes where we say, leaders, you need to do this before you actually tell other people to do this.
1: Be a good model.
0: Absolutely. Right. Sounds with, good. Yeah, without that, you, you're not being led to lead. Right. Oh, see, I threw the podcast uh-huh. name in there. So on that note, this is the Lead to Lead podcast. This series on Atomic Habits is sponsored by Royal Oaks Counseling. Royal Oaks Counseling seeks to empower people through a biblical worldview to be set free of limitations in their lives caused by fear, anxiety, and doubt. This process includes challenging, comforting, and providing necessary tools for freedom to take place in their lives. Royal Oaks provides individual and family counseling and specializes in marriage counseling. Please visit royaloakscounseling.com or email info at royaloakscounseling.com for more information or to set up an appointment.